0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Army Medical Service Corps podcast. Here we will discuss leader experiences, development, career opportunities, and other topics that impact our Corps. We will continue to provide resources to recruit and retain Medical Service Corps talent by leveraging all campos. I am today's host, Captain Aprika Bullock, and I have the tremendous honor of interviewing the 19th Medical Service Corps Chief and Commanding General of the Medical Center of Excellence. Major General Dennis Lamaster, Welcome, sir, and thank you for taking the time to conduct this interview. I know that you are extremely busy. Sir, to begin this interview, I'd like to ask you to share your Army story from cadet to now.
1: Okay. Uh, so, I'm the kid in your neighborhood that it was always playing Army, running around in the backyards, making lots of noise, was probably a nuisance to many, many parents out there. Um, and and I really really wasn't honest with myself that I wanted to go into the service uh, until I'd started down a different academic path in college, and and um, put myself through college as a forest firefighter. And was talking to uh, a boss of mine who was a Vietnam vet, and and kind of sharing that I was uncertain that I wanted to go into my career path that I was that I was training for at uh, Washington State University or really go into the army uh just enlist um and he listened back and forth and he said hey look you know um it sounds like you have an interest in the army why don't you go see what army rotc has to offer you at washington state university um and and uh and take it from there but all you talk about is the army so i think there's a good fit there well sure enough uh, we did that. Uh, I was already well along in my forest management degree. I was too old to get a scholarship. ROTC department said hey, we will will we will uh, we'll put you in the program, but you got to get a second degree uh, and stay another two years to wrap up the curriculum for MS3 and MS4 years in ROTC uh, and to which I agreed and immediately enjoyed just the camaraderie. Uh, the focus, the training, the structure, and, and everything kind of came around. I felt like I had purpose. My grades came up, the whole nine yards. Um, really wanted to be combat arms. Infantry was my my top choice. Did not even know Medical Service Corps was a branch. And so uh, branching, if I remember correctly, branching was to occur. Uh, we were to be notified somewhere in the, in the spring of, this would have been 1980. Seven, um, and then we would go off to our our basic courses, officer basic course. They call it Bullock now, um, and I was I was working construction in downtown Seattle, getting some extra cash so I could get myself to wherever Bullock would be. Um, and I got the letter, my branching letter, and it says you've been branched Medical Service Corps. And I was devastated. I did not know what this branch was, what it did, and. Uh, was really kind of knocked off balance. But I knew one thing, I knew I wanted to be on the Army team. And I figured out, well, let's get on a team first and then figure out how to work within the team. So off I went, Fort Sam Houston, uh, OBC, summer of 87. First unit was a Fort Carson tank battalion. I was a med platoon leader and just loved it. Uh, gunnery, uh, National Training Center rotations, a lot of camaraderie. Uh, I like the like the culture of the armor tribe, um, like working with my fellow lieutenants, uh, we were just everything was really really good. I finally had to leave that job after two years. Uh, went on to be a medical company, medical clearing company, XO, to my XO time, uh, and then off to Korea. After that. A couple of years later, uh, where I was, I was a, a med ops officer for the division medical operations center, uh, an, an entity that no longer exists in our our structure. Um, and did that, came back for the, and that was at Camp Casey, Korea. Loved it. The whole operational thing, making plans come together, synchronizing the Army health system, was really something I liked. No two days were the same, and that's kind of been the the my career. Every day is different. Uh, that and that's good for someone who who bores easily, um, and and uh, advanced course uh, captain's career course now uh, summer of ninety one it was a six month PCS course huge course thousands of students or hundreds uh, a lot and uh, all AOCs and uh, got a lot and then went off to Germany and um, really began kind of a i got a lot of time in Europe. Uh, I think it's 14 years. I think if you all add it up, maybe 15. Ford Support Medical Company Commander with 3rd Infantry Division, uh, which really what I wanted to do. I, I, had, I had an interest uh, and was challenged by uh, armored formations. and 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 that probably came from my first assignment, keeping up and supporting armored brigades. I really found the complexity of all that just fascinating there were so many moving parts and and it was to see it to me it just seemed a lot more complex than than light infantry or something like that uh don't know if it is never served in a light infantry unit but but that was just my perception uh after company command we you know that was the middle of the great drawdown in europe so we deactivated that brigade and i worked went off to be a observer controller i think they're called observer controller trainers now octs um and i did that at Hohenfels. Germany, we call it Combat Maneuver Training Center. Now I think it's Joint Maneuver Training Center and loved it. Did that for three years and it was a fascinating job. Lived in a small German town, uh, uh, really got good at speaking German and then enjoyed it. Came back here in 96, here being Fort Sam Houston, where I got to work in the battle lab and, and it was involved in uh, uh, the horse modernization piece for Army medicine and experimentation. Wasn't there very long, came down on TCS orders uh, to go back uh, to uh, Würzburg, Germany to be the S3 of the 67 combat support hospital because they were in the middle of, of uh, deployment to support. Uh, I think it was Operation Joint Guard, uh, Joint Endeavor, Joint Guard, Joint Guardian, I, Bosnia. Um, and uh, the, the combat support hospital was in Tezar, Hungary. Uh, so I'm here for six months or so, and then I'm sent right back to Europe. I'm working in the medac and the Wurzburg medac. And what was kind of cool about that is that same hospital, uh, I was hospitalized as a as a as a toddler with pneumonia when my father uh, was an armor officer in Kitzingen, Germany, as a as a as a young guy. Um, so I do that job. Uh, really enjoy again the whole support aspect. We are part of a medical task force. Uh, of which the centerpiece was the 67th Combat Support Hospital. And um, tried to stay over there because I liked it, but they sent me back to Fort Sam. Uh, And I went back to the battle lab after a year, just a a couple days shy of a year. Uh, And then, no kidding, uh, I'm I'm in the Jimmy Brock Fitness Center, changing in my swimsuit, and I hear somebody couple rows over in the locker saying hey La master just came down on orders to go back over to germany and i was going right back to be the 67th s3 of the 67th cash i just came from there um and uh went back and stayed there uh was the s3 um and and went we went right into a, a, a bosnia rotation uh into into a place called the blue factory Tuzla, Tuzla, bosnia and and really enjoyed that and did that. And was doing the then the, the, the structure of the 67th Combat Support Hospital, that that I think it was 1200 authorizations, they were embedded into the into the Wurzburg Med Act. So when the cash pulled out, you know, there had to be reserve backfills to pillow those holes to go in and uh, fill in the, the staff of the of the Med Act. Um, And so it was really kind of the complexity was interesting. I moved up to be the XO, uh, and then moved down after that. Uh, Intertheater transfer down to Heidelberg, Germany, where I was the chief of of uh, training, G three chief of training for 30th Medical Brigade. And then I rolled over to be a chief of uh, G three current operations, 30th Med. About a year later, and then we deployed to OIF one. Did that. Uh, came back and did the. Uh, I was in charge of the officer basic course, Bowling. I ran the whole initial, you know, PME for for newly assessed attendants. wow. And I had a a group of captains that were absolutely fantastic, the very best uh, in Army medicine. It was just an exciting time because we had officers coming back uh, from OIF. We had a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement, and uh, it was just a good job. Did that for two years, and was selected for battalion command, 05 command, and I was selected uh, to be the the commander of Camp Bullis, Texas. Um, I thought, oh my gosh, you know this, woe is me. What what a boring command. Absolutely not. Uh, just imagine mayor of a small or city manager of a small city, uh, joint installation. Uh, you got Air Force. You had a lot of, you know, three-letter governmental agencies that had a presence on there. The training mission. The interaction with the San Antonio community because of all the neighborhoods growing up around there, uh, and then just the the, the work involved of uh, running the the post. Did that for two years, and uh, incidentally, I was the last uniform commander uh, uh, of Camp Bullis, and they they transitioned that that job into a garrison manager. Uh, so I guess that's my claim to fame. Um, and then um, went over to be the and that was about 07, Went over to be the XO for the commanding general. Of then the Amed Center and School, uh, Major General Russ Surf, and did that for a year. Then Carl Carlisle. Uh, so you kind of got a sense my initial, a lot of my initial time was division core level time, and then I got into some of the institutional BC- piece here with uh, uh, the Amed Center and School, what we used to call the Med COE. After Carlisle, I, I I'm selected to be the G3 of 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 a a newly founded region, the Western Region of Medical Command, or should I say, newly expanding uh, region uh, that was gonna. They were Army Medicine was redesigning, uh, restructuring its its boundaries, and Western Region is going to take all Army FTS from from basically you know the Mississippi uh, west to include Alaska. And it was going to be a, a, a regional medical command. And my boss was, uh, uh, you may have heard the name, uh, Lieutenant General Retired Patty Horo. <laughs> uh, and I was going to be the G3, and I did that job for about a month. And she said, Dennis, I want you to be my chief of staff. Um, this is all healthcare delivery. This is all brick and mortar stuff. We had two med- meds, I think it was a total of 11 MTFs. Bunch of smaller clinics. I am a 70 hotel. I am not a uh, 70 alpha healthcare administrator. I've got no formal training in healthcare administration. I do not know how to manage or did not know how to manage a hospital or region. Uh, and I was talk about uncomfortable and, and uh, not the smartest guy in the room. And all the other, and I was also, oh, by the way, a brand new colonel. Um, and so uh, was definitely uncomfortable. but General Harahoe uh, clearly she saw something in me, uh, and I was her chief. And quite frankly, if she hadn't have uh, had given me that opportunity, we I wouldn't be here talking today with you. and that was that really was a game changer and really uh, made me appreciate that if we are to grow as officers, we simply cannot be, remain in what is comfortable to us. So I had to learn healthcare delivery very quickly. I had to manage uh, that region, all, you know, pull all the levers, pull the strings, push the buttons, so that my boss—I had three generals there I worked for: uh, General Horoho, General Volpe, and and uh, General Thomas, who's now the president of USU's. Uh, so they could go and do their their uh, up and out and and do their their. Uh, senior strategic engagements. Um, wow, that was a growth experience. Um, so after that three years, 09, uh, that was 12, summer of 12, I was selected for command of uh, Bassett Army Community Hospital of Fort Wainwright, Fairbanks, Alaska. And I got to command the hospital. And I learned so much. Even though I had a pretty good foundation, my previous job, I still had a lot to learn. Uh, and then there was some some drama. Uh, down at Fort Carson and I had to leave the uh, the job at Fort Wainwright and come down to take command of the uh hospital at Fort Carson Evans Army Community Hospital and I did that job uh oh from January of of uh 14 to uh, I believe it was May of 16. um and uh uh great opportunity great post great people. All the jobs have been great. Um and I mean I worked with some 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 absolutely some great general officers. Uh General Le camera General uh, uh General General Randy George, who's now commanding First Corps. I mean uh Lieutenant General uh, uh Jim Rainey, uh who's now commander of cac uh, I mean the, the 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 talent uh that I was exposed to was I, I learned a hell of a lot from those flag officers. And it was at that base that I was selected for Brigadier General. And and again, you know, you're out of your comfort zone, right? Uh, and was selected to command Regional Health Command Europe, where my boss was Lieutenant General Ben Hodges, the user of commanding general. Uh, of course, Lieutenant General, my other boss was Lieutenant General Nigel West. Uh, and and uh, fascinating experience as we were, were working back to, you know, the work with NATO. Uh, Atlantic resolve creating a, a credible deterrent against our adversaries in Eastern Europe. Fascinating work as we bolstered the medical capability of Ukraine and, and the Baltic states, uh, brought Poland into the fold. It was all fascinating work. And then from there, I uh, was selected to be the commanding general for Regional Health Command Pacific and be the USERPAC surgeon. I was also the USERA surgeon in my prior job. And so Across the world, uh, the, the Regional Health Command Pacific headquarters are split between uh, the Tripler Campus on Oahu and uh, Joint Base lewis McCord, and I resided on Joint Base lewis McCord. And and that job I did for a year and a half, uh, fascinating, uh, flying around, you know, all of Army Medicine from Japan to Korea to Alaska to to uh, uh, Hawaii, California, Washington. Uh, Fascinating job. Did that job for a year and a half, and now I'm the MedCOE. So, um, a lot of opportunity, a lot of luck, a lot of individuals who believed in me. Uh, I would like to point out that I've been a I've been a commander straight since June of 2012.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, uh, so it's it's been a it's been a, a great ride, and I uh, I just want to take this moment to to thank
2: thousands who've made me successful.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story sir it's extremely diverse um and it's great to know um what you had to put into your career to be as successful as you are now sir considering that and the vast career that you have had how do you believe that you were able to make general officer sir
1: well um i think you i think you said the word diversity uh said in other ways balanced portfolio um you know so, so thirty-four years uh, in the act active duty, um, and and it, as I look back in time, uh, and and when that question was asked uh, at, at any particular moment in time, you get a different answer. And and uh, hey, you know, sir, man, what do I need to do to be promoted, get selected for command, whatnot? Um, you know, and if it was there, it was the late '80s, early '90s. You know, the answer would have been, hey, you gotta be a uh, 67 Juliet, got to be one. That's the only way to make it. So you had this whole bunch of folks that were running to be pilots. Uh, Mid 90s, it was it was a medical logistician decision. The kilos, hey, you got to be med log, or you're just not gonna, you won't get picked up. Late 90s, it was the uh, healthcare admin. 70 alphas, hey, you you just got it, you got to be an alpha, or otherwise it's not gonna work out. Then 9/11 happened. Uh, huge demand for 70 hotels, which I happen to be one. Um, and and uh, still is a huge demand. And so, you know, if you would ask that question then, the answer could have been 70 hotels. What I would tell you is the point I'm trying to make is each one of those answers are wrong or may be applicable for only a brief moment in time. But what I have seen from AMED general officers uh, and 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 uh, highly successful high performing colonels is that they have a balanced portfolio uh, kind of a mix, uh, toggling back and forth, alternating uh, between institutional and operational forces uh, as we've gone through time. Uh, so, you know, said another way, TDA versus TO&E assignments. Um, the other thing I would, so that was, so I, you know, you to make yourself most com- competitive uh, to Army medicine, to the military health system, to the Army health system balance portfolio. Uh, that would be my first point. The second Point would be you got to seize opportunity, and I think I shared that uh, I had I had just got settled here at Fort Sam Houston, come out of Hohenfels, Germany. Was here for a few months, and the army called and said we needed to go back to Würzburg, Germany. And that was at a horribly inconvenient time. I just got a house. I'd started a master's program, um, and and no, that was not good. But I went again. If I hadn't have done that, I probably it'd be someone. You'd be talking to someone else right now, uh, because that opportunity uh, opened up a whole bunch of other things. So I said yes. Seize the opportunity, and I kind of have a, a general rule that uh, when w- opportunity usually usually masquerades as inconvenience, opportunity usually masquerades as inconvenience. It comes at the worst possible time. You got to take it when the army calls and says, "I need you to go to wherever." I strongly encourage you to do it, uh, and, and there may be good reasons why not to, uh, but I'll say you may be able to say no once, but if you say no two or three times, then the army is going to stop calling. Uh, you know, don't delay on key decisions. You know, I I'm a, often have this dialogue. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait another year and compete again for senior service college. The longer you delay, on anything. Uh, you're starting to paint yourself into a corner. Uh, if you don't if you're if you don't get selected for senior service college, uh, then you probably ought to sign up distance learning if you want to be competitive for command or strategic billet. And yeah, it's it's hard. it's inconvenient to you know the the old joke, the easy way to do Army War College is the resident, and the hard way is the distance learning. Okay, whatever, I work hard in the in the resident. Uh, and I know folks that have worked very, very hard in the distance learning, but I will tell you, the longer you weigh and, and kind of want to roll the dice, uh, you, you're starting to limit your options. There's also a lot of luck that occurs, okay? Um, and and uh, you, you can do a million things right, and then the, maybe it's just the stars don't align, the planets don't align, and it doesn't quite come out. And then there's some senior leaders. Um, who took a chance on me? I mentioned General Horoho. There's a there's a whole bunch. There's also a lot of folks, you know. I'll say it. Um, uh, who who forgiven me and my little mistakes over the years, and and I nothing nothing uh, uh, criminal or not you know breaking army regulation, but I mean just things I could have done better. I've had privates, sergeants, lieutenants, colonels, generals, all kind of pat me on the head and say, okay, well we learned from this one, didn't we? Uh, and and so uh, they've forgiven me, and they've they've allowed some mistakes, and foibles, uh, to to be learning growth experiences, uh, as opposed to to crushing to crushing me. All right, Boa. Oh.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you for that, sir. In terms of applying your thirty four years of experience to someone who is considering joining the army. What would you tell them, sir?
1: Well, I believe in being just totally honest. And the Army is a lifestyle. It, it, it is it is 24-7. You're never off duty. The phone's always ringing. And it's even more so now that we have our, our cell phones. Um, and just keep that in mind. And it may not be a good fit. And if it's not a good fit and you ought to leave, that's okay. Because you got to square a number of things uh, in order for it to be right and for you to, to achieve yours and your family's goals uh, together. Um, you know, the Army's gotta work well for your family. Uh, and you know, and the old joke, you wanna start, you wanna leave the Army with the same family you started with. <laughs> uh, and and uh, there's a lot of folks that don't, don't do that, but I would say it's a lifestyle. Um, to, to those who are kinda, you know, for lack of a better term, Army brats, they're, they're familiar with the culture, uh, it's easy; they just roll right into it, right? And it's 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 what they know. Uh, but if if you have no uh, touch point or understanding or familiarity or anybody who's served, you know, it may be something that is really kind of a you know a splash of cold water in the face until you get into it. But I found that you know many people I talk with just absolutely love it. I love it. I'm I'm all in. Uh, I don't go to work. I've never looked at a day's work as being work. I, I've looked at it as, you know, my life uh, because I've enjoyed what I'm doing every day. Some days haven't been as good as others, but but in the balance, uh, m- most all days have been pretty darn, pretty darn good.
0: Sir, can you please share your top three family and leadership priorities?
1: Uh, top three, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm older. You know, my, my wife and I, uh, kids are all out of the house uh and and, you know we are in our 50s some of us are in our late 50s um and uh at this point you know the first thing i want to do is provide my family with a sense of security um that they're they're financially taken care of um and they're in a good spot and and everybody knows that you know my wife and i are there for them um the second thing would be uh Uh, to posture um, everybody for success. And then the final thing is I just want to take care of my wife. I want to make sure she feels safe, she feels secure, uh, and that I am there for her. Um, You know, leadership priorities. uh, My leadership priority is all going to be, has been the same, well, one of them has been this was the same now as it has been since I was a second lieutenant. and that the first thing is to accomplish the mission. The mission the mission takes primacy. Um, the second thing I would say is to create opportunities for the team and to have an environment where uh, soldiers can flourish and thrive. they can they can they go on to do better be more successful college, become officers, all of those things. Um, and I see my job is, is in the formation that I'm leading at the time to serve as a launch pad for that. And then finally, uh, and really as I've, I've matured, uh, a, 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 a culture that is grounded in dignity and respect. Here at the MEDCOE, uh, you know, the, my vision for, for culture, for climate is systemic respect, systemic respect. Uh, I think that if you get those things right, folks feel like they're going to be taken care of, they're respected, they matter, there's, everybody has input, the room, there's always room for everybody at the table, that the mission will be taken care of if we get the respect and the dignity piece down. So those will be my priorities.
0: In line with your priorities, sir, in terms of values, what values are most important to you as a leader?
1: Um, I'm gonna give you a, a wildly unimaginative answer, um, but it is the truth. Um, and I think I go back to uh, Army doctrine um, character, confidence, and commitment. Um, we have to be a strong moral character. Uh, we have to be confident, and we got to be committed. Uh, like my earlier comment, Army's a lifestyle. But you know the demands of military service it, uh, uh, require us to be of sound character. Um, and ADP6S22 talks about that, uh, and defines it. Um, and then we gotta be confident, we gotta be able to do our job. We can't be incompetent, we're incompetent. If we are, people are going to die. And that is, that is just simply untenable. Um, and, and uh, you know, we're we're all human beings, we're all flawed. Uh, but the idea is to, to to recognize our flaws and start each new day trying to be a little bit better than yesterday. I hope Major General Le Master today is better than Major General Le Master yesterday. Uh, I think you know Hemingway Hemingway writes about that one true thing that which is good, decent, honorable, right, and just. Um, that's a that's a pretty good goal to strive for. So those would be my thoughts on 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 uh, values, and I think that they're enduring.
0: Yes, sir. Can you please share the books you're currently reading, sir? Or your favorite book?
1: Well, I I got a a whole bunch of books, but I'll tell you what, I'll give you the first four, four, three or four off the stack of books, which is about 15 uh, next to my bed. So right now I just started uh, 1,271 Days a Soldier by uh, a guy named Gardner, who's basically a uh, uh, battalion commander, Second World War World, World War reservist out of Montana, a Guardsman out of Montana, and it's it's taken from his diary. Uh, the Impossible First, I believe, by uh, a guy named O'Brady. He's the first guy that snowshoeed or or cross country skied across to South uh, to Antarctica. Uh, Exercise of power by former Secretary Robert Gates, and of course, the L.L. Bean catalog.
0: Yes, sir. In terms of leadership, specifically company grades, sir, what qualities are you looking for?
1: That's a great question.
2: So some attributes here um positivity nothing good comes from a neg- from negativity nothing good comes from a complaining energy self starter leads from the front is committed to self development participative team player brave has an understanding
1: is conversant on the army health system and has a passion for committing or excuse me a passion for uh supporting uh the line that would be my first first attempt at that i i you know i i'm not looking for the smartest person i'm looking for the most energetic most honest person person with a good heart and a big heart.
0: Yes, sir. Discussing leadership. um, And especially the qualities that you're looking for in your leaders. Have you personally experienced toxic or destructive leadership, sir? If so, how did you manage?
1: Uh, So, you know, 34 years, I've only had one bad boss. And and with that, I'm, I'm rolling in my raider and senior raider population. That's pretty darn good when you think about it. Only one bad boss individual who had no business commanding anything and somehow he he snuck through our selection process for command. He wasn't so much toxic, but he was destructive uh, and he was really kind of uh, uh, looking at making a name for himself and overly ambitious in a negative way. Um, So what what, what do you do? Um, That's a tough one. I tried to shield my soldiers. This was in combat, by the way. I tried to shield my soldiers from that individual. Uh, um, and then I kind of really didn't like being around them. I don't know if I handled this well. Uh I was a major at the time. Um, so, uh, you know, he wasn't a he wasn't a direct supervisor. Uh, but I was in immediate proximity to him, so I I did I did my job as well as I could. Um, whenever there was a venue where uh, he I, we knew he was going to get angry because he got angry frequently, I would make sure that that was the guy that who was there, and my commissioned officers and soldiers we tried to get them out out of it, out of there. Um, and and uh, yeah. I, I don't really have a I don't really have a, a good answer. I, I was never I wasn't able to manipulate him so that he was not destructive uh, or suddenly confident um, because this individual really had you know no very few positive attributes for leading a large formation. Uh, so so you know you I just I, I did what I did and and I wanted to deliver my job and take care of my troops as best I could uh but i know i've fallen short on that answer to you but that's kind of how it got kind of how it went you know i think everybody's wanting to hear hey we had a toxic individual and this is what i did the three things i did to shape them so they were no longer toxic or everybody made it happy now has continued to be kind of miserable <laughs> and i really didn't make the i didn't really make i didn't really make anything better all
0: right <laughs> sir honestly i believe it helps because it makes it relatable you know everyone can't be corrected it's relatable sir so thank you for that with regards to uh, how you balance your personal and professional life do you currently have a work-life balance philosophy that you could share with us
1: yeah, i don't know if i have a good answer for this one either because i said earlier you know my the army's my my life um, My my wife and i are committed we're all in this she's an army employee um so it's not really work it's my life, um, but I do need to reset. Uh, I do need to reset because when I don't reset, uh, I know I become ineffective at 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 my job, and I also probably become difficult to be around. So, some some things I must do to reset. I must do PT. Uh, PT, I believe, is uh, one of the probably the the cure all for everything ever. Um, I get my PT in. It's okay. Uh, I like to read. I need my time where I am alone and I am. I can read and recharge. I enjoy. I enjoy uh, cinema. I'm a movie freak. Uh, and then I really, really, really enjoy uh, my bride. And uh, we come home at, at the end of the day, and I I am. She tells me stories and of Her day, and I'm always entertained, and it's just a good chance to connect. And then we both have these dogs that we that uh that uh demand a lot of our time in a good way, uh, and that's just our little world, and it and it and it seems to work out
2: pretty good.
0: Thank you for sharing that, sir. It seems nice to be married to a like minded individual, it helps with that balance. In line with your um, work life balance, sir, are there any regrets that you have with your career or, or anything you feel you've missed out on? None. None. That's good to know, sir. How do you currently feel about the Army's progress uh, when it comes to gender and racial equality, sir?
1: I think we've made progress. I still think we have a lot of work to do. Um, and, I believe that uh, first of all, I'm really happy where the army's going, and these these rate recent changes on on uh, from our, uh, sergeant major of the army on on just you know hair grooming standards earrings, uh, wonderful. Um, We have work to do in that we're always getting new people into the army all the time, so we're never going to hit it to where. we 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 do not have uh, uh, people not behaving well or not treating others with dignity and respect, because we have to we bring in a large number of thousands of soldiers every month. We have to acculturate them into army values. Uh, and we must somehow uh, if if they came from a place or a value system that was was not aligned with the army values, we got to somehow cut that that tethering and And reorient their mind, their thinking. I think we're going in a good a good, good direction. Uh, I really like uh, you know the diversity, equality, inclusion effort, people first strategy, uh, but we can't let up. And I'm hoping that that uh, these efforts uh, transcend uh, uh, Army senior leaders, so the next cohort that comes in, they will they will also uh, be behind those programs as well. Really what I want in, in the Army that I serve in is, is for our teammates to really uh, enjoy coming to work where they feel they're in, an op- in a place, they have an opportunity to flourish and thrive, that they have an equal opportunity to seize on all the opportunities, all the benefits, that the army provides. Um, and that we don't have a certain cohort that feels like, you know, they're swimming upstream and the whole system is, 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 is rigged against them or more rigged for somebody else. You know what I mean? And, and, and uh, I, I want it to be a level playing field because really when we have, you know, diversity of strength and I firmly believe that, when, when we have that, you know that's, you know, our diversity is our asymmetric advantage. That's that's the one thing we have over our adversaries. Okay. All these different backgrounds, all right, different ways of thinking. It's hard to model uh, a decision tree uh, or, or get a decision or, or come up with a, a decision template of how the US Army is gonna happen with all this these diverse backgrounds, because we all think differently. And that is just absolutely excellent. Um but If we can get to a place where uh, we're motivated because we want to be here, we value each other, we value each other, we value each other, uh, we will get after the mission and no mission will be too hard.
0: Yes, sir. And I am in full agreement with that, sir. Switching gears a little, have you ever received an evaluation that you disagreed with? And if so, sir, how did you address it?
1: Yes, I, I have. Um, the company command, uh, and this was back in the old OER system where two block was the kiss of death. Um, and uh, this was uh, two OER systems ago, I think. I'd have to go look at the document. Um, but essentially, um, where the unit I was in, senior radar had laid out. Here are all the things, uh, the metrics by which a successful company commander, successful companies will have uh, to get a top block. Um, uh, weapons qualification stats, operational readiness rate for your fleet, number of EFMB, you know, percentage of, of badge winners, yada yada yada. Uh, so we do this, and we hit all these targets, and I get a two block uh probably about a B plus narrative. Um and and uh I felt it was an unfair characterization of my effort and my organization and I still feel that it is. Uh so I went and decided to go talk to my senior reader about it. So I had to get my mind right and 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 really work on my presentation of being a diplomat and being professional. Uh, so I drove I drove over to where he was, uh, and went in there. For, I was, that was his first uh, appointment for the day, and just kind of said, "I could you help me understand the the document? Um, here's here's here was your criteria for high performing organization. Here's what we did. Uh, I, I kind of see the document different than how you've read it," um, and and he looks at me. And he looks at me and he stares at me, uh, uncomfortable pause for what seemed like an eternity. And he said, Le master,
2: this is just where I see you. Um,
1: and I realized the conversation was going nowhere. So I said, yes, sir, thanks for your time and left uh, and drove back to, uh, back to my base. Uh, this was in Europe. Um, and so, you know, I was irritated uh, and I thought it was all over, by the way. I thought my career was over. Um, and so, a couple, you know, a, about a year, this was this was 93, uh, a year and a half later, the Army's in the midst of a drawdown. And what it was doing was buying its officers out. Uh, and I seem to remember the, the number as about $36,000. Uh, if you were not competitive for major, captains we get a phone call from HRC and say, hey, we recommend you take the severance package. Um, we don't see you competitive for major. Uh, that's our based off our analysis of your, of your file. Take it or leave it. Give us a call by tomorrow. Um, and a number, and this, by this time I was working in Hohenfels, and a number of officers uh, who I regarded as far superior to me, we were getting this phone call from their branch, advising them to take the, take the cash and separate from the service. And they were doing so. But nobody called me. And I thought, for heaven's sakes, if the Army is separating these officers, but it's keeping me, I don't understand the OER system. I don't understand. Because if it was me, I would separate me and keep the other guy. And so I had this epiphany and the epiphany was quit worrying about your OER um, and focus on your mission, focus on taking care of your folks and, and the rest will take care of itself. So really that was around 94. I haven't worried about an OER since. And, and uh, it, it just serves no purpose. Um, and, and uh, I, I think that, There's the goodness in that is that, you know, a bad OER is not the kiss of death. Promotion boards do look at the depth and breadth of a file, not a single OER, uh, so they can get a characterization of performance and potential over time. Um, And the second thing I learned was to be a good teammate. That's really your relationships and being a good teammate is what's important. And that, that, that realization has become just more and more important as I've matured and gotten more and more senior uh, over the years. So uh, that's what I would tell you. And that's what I would advise. If you can get, and it's hard, right? We all want to get promoted, especially when you're young. We're starting out. But if you can get yourself so where you're intellectually and emotionally uh, not worrying about your OER and you're focusing on the mission and taking care of your people, the OER will, will take care of itself. And I feel very passionately about that.
0: Yes, sir. If you um, were to look over your career and then speak to then company and or field grade LeMaster, what would you say to him, sir? Uh,
1: Company grade LeMaster, I would say uh, everything's going to be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. Quit, quit, quit worrying. Um, uh, I used to, I used to really worry, uh, and to no good, to no good end. Uh, and then to field grade LeMaster, I would say, okay, man, it's time for you to get serious about understanding um, and knowing the military health system. Military health system. When I was coming out of Hohenfels, I had a pretty good understanding of of operational level uh, Army health system. Hey, now you gotta now you gotta learn your profession. You gotta learn your your craft, uh, and 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 that that I needed I was probably a little bit behind on is how does the Army Health System integrate into the Joint Medical Force, um, and 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 have a wider depth and breadth of understanding of the of the larger construct. That's what I would tell Major Lemaster.
0: Thank you, sir what would you want your legacy to be? And there are two of those. You have your professional and your personal legacy. Um, When all is said and done about Major General Lemaster, what would you like that to be?
1: So, professionally, I just like, I just like, yeah, Lemaster was a guy, his team always accomplished the mission. uh, And he enabled opportunity for others. And that is, his soldiers can flourish
2: and thrive. Uh, personally, I
1: would want my legacy to be uh, that I was a good spouse, a good father, and then folks regarded me as being a
2: good man. So. Uh-
0: That's all the questions on today's podcast, sir. I honestly and genuinely want to thank you again for your time and your fantastic leadership insight. I, as a company great officer, um, have a ton of takeaways um, from this conversation with you, sir. And I thank everyone else for tuning in, and I hope you all have a great day.
1: Take care. Thank you.